All right, take a look now, if you will. Hey, guys, we've been in this, uh, in this series, uh, and today is going to be no different. It, it, is, it is impactful. Um, I didn't realize how much so, but it, is, it truly is remarkable, not because I'm doing it, but because, because the Scriptures, what they teach about who Christ is and what He came to do. Uh, I've always wanted to, to make the gospel simple to where if any of you were asked, what is the gospel? If you ever, any of you were your first time and you said, what, what is the gospel? And, and I, I came up with this, who, all you have to do is to remember two things, who Christ is and what he came to do. We're gonna talk about it today because it's, it's so much of today is about, about who Christ is. But all of these little pictures of Christ in the Old Testament are pretty, pretty amazing because they all point towards something. And you know that the Bible is not just a collection of stories, but there's purpose and unity behind them. And which is absolutely remarkable when you see the purpose and unity behind these and know that they were written over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. In some cases, several thousand years. So it's, it's remarkable. In fact, the one we're talking about today is, is ancient. And so when you see that they all point, you know that there's a hand in it. So if you want to know, if you want to know, it's there to find. That's why the scriptures teach accurately, is that if you want to know, you will know. If you seek and you'll find, right? And so today you're going to see again one of these, because what we've been doing over the past few, because this is your first time you've come on a great day, because today will be extremely clear. We're gonna talk about Jacob's story, but, but in reality in chapter 25, Chapters 25 through 50, okay, uh, contain the story of Jacob and, and mainly Joseph, Joseph's brothers, but Joseph. Joseph makes up a huge chunk of the book of Genesis, and it is such a clear picture. Joseph is such a clear picture. In fact, I don't know that there's a clearer picture in all the scriptures, especially it's how comprehensive it is. We're going to talk about that next week. But these two, 25 chapters, half of the book of Genesis is dedicated to Jacob and Joseph, basically. And so you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear uh, this, this, this picture today from Jacob's life. And I'm not gonna share a whole lot of other stuff around it. I'm just gonna skip straight to the picture of Christ in the Old Testament. And there'll be a few things we talk about. But we've been talking about these over the weeks. And every, it seems like every picture of Christ has a different, it's, it all says the th same thing. And what is it that it says? It says that there's some sort of sin, some sort of, that's, that's represented in some sort of way. Like last week, the sin was represented in an illness. Either way, you know, one, of, one week was the snake bite, right? Whatever it is, there's this picture of sin and consequences that come from it, right? Sin, consequences are judgment, right? God provides a way through his grace. We have to trust in his provision, right? And then a changed life. Guys, it has followed, it seems like it, in one way or another, it has followed that every week. The first week we talked about Noah and the boat, right? And you have this picture of Christ being a picture of Christ, this boat, which in the water represents judgment, right? And, uh, and then you have this boat that carries you through judgment that saved Noah's family, all right? For those of you who have ears to hear, we talked about Abraham and Isaac. That, the nuance of that particular picture is that Abraham gives us a picture into the father, right? sacrificing his son. So it makes John 3.16 come alive. For God so loved you that he gave his only son. So you have that picture of Christ of being Isaac, Abraham and Isaac, just a few weeks ago. We talked about the snake on the pole on Easter, right? You know, Jesus alluded to that, talked about it. Just look. That's the snake bite one there. Last week was as clear as it came to. You had the leprosy, right? Naaman <clears throat> and the malady that was deadly, right? And then, uh, so he had a death sentence on his life. God provided a way. But I found it interesting because last week, the nuance of last week was is that there was a little Jewish girl because Naaman would have never known that there was hope if this little girl hadn't told him. She, he'd have never known. He'd have died in his disease. But she told him. She said, hey, listen, I, I, I know where this can happen. And so she sent him to Elisha. And then if you remember last week, Elisha gave him these things to do, you know, go dip in the Jordan, you know? And basically, why did he do that? Why didn't he just, 
heal him because there's a picture. God's painting these pictures. And so Naaman went through this crisis of belief. We talked about it last week. Um, there was a real movement last week in our hearts to understand who God is when he's doing it. It's going to be the same today. You're going to have this exact same picture. It's just going to be a different story. That's why we call these pictures of Christ in the Old Testament, because every one of them have to do with who Christ is or what he came to do or both. Because guys, I just want you to know, I promise you, I will never strong arm anyone. I promise you, I'll never even try to talk you into it. Because I have found that if I can talk you into it, somebody else will talk you out of it. But if God opens your eyes and lets you see it, as you're going to see today, the, eye, the, the, the nuance of today is, is opening eyes. God opening someone's eyes and letting them see. And then the decision's yours. But it's an amazing thing. This thing called the gospel, it has been changing lives down through the centuries because people have, number one, had their eyes open, but they've wanted to know. And the great promise, and I don't know how that works, <clears throat> but the great promise, great promise in the scriptures that if you want to know, God will make sure you see it, All right? He'll open your eyes and let you see it. The great question is, do you want to know? I don't know. So anyway, so we got to move on. No, by the way, uh, I, I need to go ahead and tell you this, all right? I, I, the allergies, all right, have been dying, all right? Today's better, all right? But the last three weeks where it's been 10, right? Okay, I've been dying. I'm not dying today, all right? But if I do, <clears throat> if, it may sound different. I just want to go ahead and tell you, all right? And, and lozenges and all that really don't help. It just makes it worse, all right? Especially with, with me, with allergies. So... <clears throat> just so you understand, all right? I'm not going to die, I'm fine. All right, here we go. So the stairway to heaven is what I've called it, all right? Real cool song back in the 70s that took this name, actually took it from this story, the stairway to heaven, all right? This is the story of Jacob. And, uh, and anyway, so the, it became this, I don't know, it became this picture, all right? It became a picture. Most people don't associate it with anything, they don't see it, but it is as clear uh, is it is as clear a picture of Christ in the Old Testament as any. So let's jump into it and see. I don't have a lot of time to give you a whole lot of background, but obviously Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. Take a look in Genesis chapter 29 and verse 25 and verse 19. It says, these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son, okay? Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old, right? When he took Rebekah, okay, his wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Paddan Aram, right, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord because his wife was barren, that is, she didn't have any children. And the Lord granted, okay, his prayer, and basically Rebekah, his wife, conceived, and she conceived twins. And the children struggled with one another, this picture, right, within her. And she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? I think a lot of ladies have said that, you know, when they were expecting, all right? Why is this happening to me, all right? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord told her. In fact, the Lord told her the, the promises that had already been promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and we're going to pass on to the younger. Now, this is interesting, because it says there's two nations in your womb, okay? And two peoples from within you shall be divided. And the one will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger, which is the exact opposite of their time. You have to remember that as twins, they were born. You find out in just a minute that when they were born, right, Esau was born first, but, but you had Jacob holding on to his heel right, uh, as, as he was born. So we're talking within minutes. They were born within minutes of one another. But it was a big deal, the one that was born first. You'll find out a little bit about that in a second. So you have then this picture of these twins that are born. And I want you to see, I want you to see, and again, just enough background for you to understand. But Jacob, the deceiver, is number one. I want you to understand that Jacob was an interesting guy. Uh, I want you to see, first of all, his own, his own sinfulness. And his, the part of his sinfulness was is that he was, his name, Jacob. The name Jacob means supplanter or, or deceiver right? And so you'll see in just a minute, that's again what his name means. In fact, 
you know, Esau said that, you know, he does, he does live up to his name kind of a thing. But I want you to see that, that Jacob lived the life of a con artist. I mean, that's just who he was. And you know, that means he, he, he thought real well on his feet, he, he spoke, but he, he really wanted to get the things that he wanted by, by conning people from them, with them. You know, people have that gift. The problem with being a deceiver or a manipulator or a con artist is that there's always consequences that come with it, you know, and we know it to be the truth. You do realize that people don't like being conned all right? So you're going to develop a whole lot of enemies in your lifetime if you're a con artist, all right? And then number two, there's always a payment, right? Lack of trust, lack of all kinds of things. There's always, guys, we all know these things. These are things that, but in this story, I just want you to understand it. Not only understand it, but then see its picture of Christ. You'll see it in just a minute, okay? So let's see how these boys were born. Number one, Jacob was different than his, than his brother, all right? Chapter 25 and verse 24, it says, and when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first one came out red in all of his body like a hairy cloak. Okay, only a mother could love a child that's red and hairy, all right? And so this named him Esau, okay, named him Esau. And then afterward, his brother came out, all right, uh, with his hands holding onto Esau's heel. <laughs> and, uh, and so he was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. And the boys grew up and Esau was a skillful hunter and a man of the field. While Jacob was quiet man, he, he stayed around the tents. You have to understand that Isaac, their father, was extremely wealthy for the time. And they had a whole, they lived nomad type life, but they had, they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds <laughs> perhaps thousands of flocks of all kinds. And so Jacob and Esau, Esau, I mean, obviously Isaac was, was wealthy. So when you say they lived among the tents, you're talking they spread out over a compound. And so Jacob just kind of, he was a homebody. He liked being home, he liked to cook. You'll find out in just a minute. Esau was an outside guy, right? He liked to hunt and to fish and he liked being out, right? He didn't like being indoors. And so again, they were extreme opposites. The two of them were extreme opposites, right? <laughs> so number one, the boys were different. Number two is that Jacob deceived his brother's birthright. You're gonna see that, that Jacob does two things. And you need to, you need to see this, probably a lot more of them, but two that are mentioned in the scriptures. He cons his brother Esau out of his birthright, and then he deceives his father of getting Esau's blessing. All right, this one first is the birthright. What's a birthright? It's not a big deal to you, you guys, okay? What number you were born, okay, birth order means nothing in our culture, but it meant everything in this one. <coughs> the firstborn was considered the leader of the family, clan, whatever you wanna call it. That's just the way it was. It's kinda like, it's kinda like uh, monarchs who the firstborn son for a while is born and was going to be the next king. So it was always a birth order thing. So therefore, since Esau was born first, he was, he was the one in charge, who was gonna be the one who was in charge. And since they lived this existence of family compounds kind of thing, that, that he was going to be in charge, and he, that he would basically inherit a double portion. That is, he would get the most and be in charge. All right? Well, well Jacob wanted it. You got it? You can understand with all of it, he wanted it. He wanted what Esau had. And he'd already been promised, because Rebecca, God had promised his mother that the younger is going to receive the promises. But see, Jacob, Jacob didn't trust God, he trusted in his own, his own conniving ways. I'm gonna get what I want any way I want and get it how I know to get it. And so what he did was, Chapter 25 in verse 29, it says, once when Jacob was cooking stew, it says that Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. Blood sugar's low, he's been gone, right? And he walks in and Esau said to Jacob, hey, can I have some of the red stew that you've been making? <laughs> For I'm, you know, I'm, I'm exhausted. And he goes, and therefore his name was called Edom. Uh, the Edomites, you'll read about them 
in the rest of the Bible. I want you to understand they became, they were, they were, they were direct descendants from Esau here. They were a sworn enemy of Israel, as you see later. Again, it was just things, as you read the scriptures, it just helps you to see how it all connects together, right? And Jacob, Jacob said to him, hey, listen, um, I'll give you all that you want to eat if you'll give me your birthright, right? Uh, and then Esau said to him, well, I'm, I'm about to die. In other words, I'm starving, right? I don't care. You see, you know, a lot of people look at this and say, I can't believe that Esau would do something so stupid. But remember this, right? When you're a guy like Esau, I've known guys like this all my life. In fact, I wonder if I wasn't maybe kind of like that younger. You know, when you're younger, you know, things don't seem real important to you, right? I call it being young and stupid, all right? I'm not saying all of you there, but I was there. And some of you may agree that that's where you were also, all right? But he didn't care as long as he could hunt and fish. Know any guys like that? As long as I can hunt and fish, they don't care, right? Yeah, you know, so he just didn't care. He didn't, he didn't even want it. Why? He was thinking to himself, why not want to be saddled sticking here and having to be in charge and run everything. And I don't care about any of that. I've never cared about any of that. Sure. Yeah. You know, just give me something to eat. I don't care. So he gives it to him, but he's tricked out of it. Right. He's tricked out of it by his brother. Right. Swear to me now. So he swore and, and he sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. Right. A couple of pieces of bread, maybe. Right. And, uh, and he ate it and drank and he rose and he went his way. And thus Esau despised his own birthright. I think that's interesting, right? Number three is that he deceived to get his father's blessing. This is found in chapter 27. Now I'm not gonna read all of this. I did it in earlier services. And I'm just gonna tell you the story, but it's all found there if you want to, all right? Their father, Isaac, is about to, is about to die. <clears throat> and so, and so it's, it was the custom of the time for the father to give blessings, right? blessings to his children. In fact, you'll see the one that Jacob gave his uh, children in chapter 49 and 50 of Genesis. It's pretty amazing to be on, pretty prophetic when I look at it. But in this particular case, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's just a blessing that the father gives. And so, and so basically, <laughs> Jacob wanted it. And Rebecca, all right, Jacob's mother, wanted Jacob to have it. So the two of them planned this scheme, right? So Esau goes off hunting to come up with a meal to feed his father to, to get the blessing. And, <clears throat> and Rebecca goes in and makes the meal in, in her case. And, and she sends in Jacob with it. And, and basically he goes in and, and, and Isaac is, is blind, or at least mostly blind. And, uh, and he, he hears a voice. He says, that doesn't sound like it. And he says, come close. And they'd put, you know, they'd put, animal skins on him to make him feel hairy, right? I mean, my goodness, if you can fool somebody with animal skins, what must have Esau been like, right? But anyway, but he was fooled. And so what happened was, is yeah, the father, Isaac, gave the blessing to Jacob, right? And, um, and you can read all about it in there. It's interesting. But the problem came here is that, yeah, Jacob, Jacob did. Jacob got what he wanted, right? But the problem was, is that is that his brother hated him. And you can get what you want, but if you just cause a whole lot of pe people to hate you along the way, and Esau, I mean, grew into a huge hatred. So now Jacob has to run for his life because Esau being a skilled hunter, he only knew of about 30 different ways to kill his brother, right? And so he's gonna kill him, right? Look at verse, chapter 27, verse 41. Now, Esau hated Jacob, right? So where are we going here, guys? We've got this, we've got this sin, right? And he's got this sin that's leading to consequences. So now he has to run for his life, all right? You'll see it. He hated Jacob because of the blessing in which his father blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. And then after dad dies, I'm killing him. Right? I'm killing him. It doesn't matter what he's taken from me. I'll just get it back when I kill him. Right? And now, basically, Esau, uh, her, uh, Rebecca heard what Esau said, verse 42. And basically, he, she comes up with a plan that I've got to get Jacob out of town. 
And, um, and so she sends him to her brother and um, she cooks up this plan. You go, you, you go and, and I'll cover for you here. And, and they concoct this little plan, you know, with Isaac, you know, to send Jacob away. But in reality, he's running because Esau is going to kill him. All right. And look at verse 42. This is really an interesting verse. This is what, this is what Rebecca would say. <clears throat> this is what Esau said. He says, behold, your brother Esau comforts himself right, about you by planning to kill you. Okay, that's, okay. So he is so angry that the only way he can calm down is to visualize how he's gonna do it, right? So we're talking about a guy, I mean, Jacob now has this death sentence on his life, all right? So we go from deception <laughs> and consequences to his own sin and the consequences of his sin, all right? So let's take a look at it now, all right? Number one's the deceiver, number two's the sinner. There are three things underneath this, all right? I want you to see that, that obviously he's just, he may know about God, but he doesn't know God. I know what that's like because that's where I was. That's where a lot of people, I think, are. They know about God, but they don't know him. You see, what Christ came to do, not just who he was, but what he came to do was to make a relationship with God who created you possible. You can know about God and not know him. And believe it or not, even Jacob at this point, he's not a believer, right? Uh, he's an unconverted man is from what we would say, all right? Let's take a look now in, uh, <clears throat> in this and, and see, obviously, the, under this, Jacob, the sinner. Take a look in, uh, in three things I want you to see. Let's go ahead and tell you all three of them. Number one's darkness. This is a little symbolic here. There's darkness, desert, and death, right? In the darkness, he, he runs for his life, and he has to escape through the desert. But he's outside for the first time, right? My bet is that Jacob's never spent a day outside in his life or spent a night outside in his life. And so you know he's got to be freaked out. But here he was, the son of this extremely wealthy person, and now he's running for his life across the desert, out in the darkness by himself, in the desert, right? Because the sun had set. And what did it say? He came to a certain place and stayed the night. And because the sun had set, he set one of the stones in place, right? And he put it under his head to lay down. So he used a, you know, a rock for a pillow. Right? And he laid down that place to, to sleep. Number three, he had a death sentence. The reason he was there, because of his own sin, the consequences that came from it, was now he had a death sentence on his life and he's living out by himself, right? Running for his life. As you see these two, again, for those of you who have ears to hear, we're gonna put these all together in just a second. But that's a great picture, right? That is a great picture of what's going to happen to him, right? and the understanding of what those things mean, okay? So we have then the, the, we have the, the center, the darkness and the desert and the death. And, uh, and let's take a look now, if you will, all right, at number, uh, at number three. I'm gonna go ahead and call this something different, all right? We have the, we have the deceiver, right? The sin, the sinner. We have the consequences of it. Death sentence on his life, he's running for his life, those type things. But number, number three, I want you to see here is what I'm gonna call, um, I'm just gonna call the Jesus, the savior. And now you'll understand, <clears throat> I'm going ahead and jumping ahead because we get right to the meat of the story. This is what I wanna share with you. We've already taken the time now to explain enough to you to understand who Jacob is, all right? <clears throat> Jacob is a con, he's a deceiver. His own sinfulness has led to his own consequences. You know, and by the way, let me just go ahead and tell you this. So many times, in our culture, this is really tough on some people, is that they're blind to themselves. You know, Jacob probably in this particular case was blaming Esau for wanting to kill him. But you know, a lot of times the consequences that come into our life, a lot of people don't like to hear this, but it is the truth. A lot of times people don't, people don't realize the consequences that are in their life are directly caused by the choices they've made. It takes a wise person to be able to connect your choices with your consequences. Why? Because we're real good about blaming everybody else. And I have found that until a person can see that their own choices were the cause, 
they will never go to who God is and what they need. Does that make sense? This is an incredible thing. I know it's a painful thing. I'm not trying to condemn anyone because everybody in the room, okay, has had consequences for choices they've made, right? But when you can connect them, wisdom starts to take over and then you'll start looking for the answers. It's an incredible thing, but until you see it, as long as it's everybody else's fault and never your fault, then you're never gonna see your need for what God did for you. Amazing thing. So this, this thing called Jesus the Savior, as he, falls, as he falls asleep that night on the, on the rock, right, right, with his head on a, pill, uh, a stone, he has a dream. And in this dream, there's this ladder. We'll read about it in just a minute. And the old King James calls it a stairway that reaches up to heaven. Uh, some translate it, in fact, the one that we're going to use today translates, just translates it ladder. Either one is fine, Okay. But here's the, here's the picture, all right? And this is where I want us to take most of our time and I want you to kinda, want you kinda, kinda zone in here with me, it's pretty neat. All right, number one underneath that is the reach of the ladder, okay? The reach of the ladder. Let's take a look at the dream that he had. There's not much to it, all right? Take a look now, if you will, under, the, under this, the reach of the ladder. Take a look now, if you will, uh, in chapter 28 and verse 10. It says that Jacob left Beersheba and he went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. <clears throat> and taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down uh, that place to sleep. Look at verse 12. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. Okay, so what does this mean? What is this, what's the big deal about this dream that he had, there's a ladder, okay? And, and here's, and he said this, and behold, don't miss this, don't miss this. And behold, the angels of God, I want you to remember this phrase, this phraseology here. The angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Okay, so we have this ladder. Now, again, I, I love illustrating the obvious. I just do. Because sometimes when it's so obvious, we don't stop long enough to say, oh yeah, that is what that means. All right? And that's why I call this the reach of the ladder. Because the purpose of a ladder is, allow, is to allow you, this is obvious, is to allow you to reach something that you couldn't reach on your own. For those of you who have ears to hear. The purpose of a ladder is to reach something that you couldn't reach on your own. So you have then, you have then this man who by his own sinfulness has been, is running for his life. He's got a death sentence on his life. And out in the middle of the desert at nighttime, he has a dream. And God actually shows him this, in this dream a, a ladder Okay? And the reach of it goes from earth to heaven. So this ladder, okay, is, is what allows you to reach to who God is, right, from where you are. It's part of God's plan. It's being revealed here and he doesn't even realize it yet. In fact, you're, you're saying, yeah, Jeff, you might be stretching that a little bit. Okay, John chapter one and verse 47. Right? Don't miss this. John chapter one, verse 47, it says this. Jesus was picking his disciples and he saw Nathaniel, who's pretty obscure uh, other than this little story. And, uh, and, but he was one he was going to choose as one of his 12. And he saw him coming toward him and he said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. So when he saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said, wow, Jesus, this is Jesus' words. He says, behold, right? He said, here's an Israelite coming. All right, can you put that back up there? Okay, in whom there's no Jacob. Got it? St. Jeff, you're reading into it. Hang in, hang in, right? Nathanael said to him, hey, how do you know me? And Jesus said, before Philip called you, okay, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael said, wow, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, hey, because I've said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Okay, you believe? Yeah. 
you're going to see better things than this, all right? You just wait about what you're about to see. Now, look at verse 51. Now you know the context of this verse. Let's see it. And he said to him, that is Jesus said to Nathanael, truly, truly. Anytime you read in the Bible, anytime you hear it say truly, truly, that means Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you need to listen. All right, truly, truly, I say to you, you, Nathaniel, here's what you're going to see. Here are the greater things you're gonna see other than me seeing you under a fig tree. Here's what you're gonna see. You're gonna see heaven opened and the angels of God doing what? Ascending and descending on a ladder? No, no, no. On what? On the Son of Man, on Jesus himself. Oh, so in Jacob's dream, Jesus is the ladder. Oh, for those of you who have ears to hear. Okay, so Jesus then tells us and tells Nathaniel. And I think Nathaniel probably picked up on this because Jewish people were very diligent in their study of the scriptures, but also to make sure that their children knew what it was. I think he knew this ascending and descending for the angels was a picture. And all of them knew the story of Jacob because at this particular case, I hope you do remember this. If you don't, this'll help you. Jacob's life has changed and eventually God changes Jacob's name to Israel, right? So the name Israel today, the country that we call Israel is not actually a nation, it's actually a guy's name. And it's the name that God renamed deceiver into Israel, right? Because God had changed his life. But it all is made possible by this ladder. Pretty interesting, huh? So he tells Nathaniel, I, said, I just love this because I love it when Jesus already goes ahead and tells us, okay, this is a picture of me. See, I'm not making this up, all right? I'm not going and seeing if I can make this fit or that fit. I'm just sharing with you the things that are right out there that if you wanna know, they're there for you to see. It's all there if you wanna find it. That's why he says, seek and you'll find. That's why anytime everybody comes to me, well, I don't think I believe any of that. And I always ask them, are you an honest skeptic or are you a dishonest one? And they don't ever know what I'm talking about. Never have they said, oh, I don't, what do you, they always say, what, what are you talking about? I said, well, a dishonest skeptic just wants to doubt and not believe, but he doesn't want to find out. He's just got personal prejudices and it doesn't fit in with what he wants. But I said, the one who's an honest skeptic, I love honest skeptics, by the way. I don't know, but I want to know. It's all there, guys, if you wanna know. I'm promising you, it's an amazing thing. But all of a sudden, Jacob's eyes were opened to see. And it, and it begins to impact him. Interesting. But back to the reach of the ladder, okay? Back to the reach of the ladder. All right, let's go ahead, yeah. Uh, hey, I want you to give Kyle uh, Bell uh, an applause up there. He's assisting me in the catwalk. All right. Now, this is my favorite cereal, <laughs> all right? It is, I mean, it really, I, mean I, I don't know why, but I just, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, it is chock full of sugar, all right? And so I can't have it very much. And I'm one of those weird guys, I don't really like to eat cereal in the morning. I like to eat it at night, all right? I know it's terrible, it's awful. But, and I can't do this very much because what happens is if I eat it at night, I wake up with a sugar hangover. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? So this is a rarity, all right? But I love, okay, I love this. I really do. Now, <clears throat> with this particular case, all right, I, I have a problem, all right? Again, I love to illustrate the obvious, but I have a problem. I can't reach it. And by myself, I have no hope. Even in my heyday, I would have not had any hope. So I gotta have help or it's never gonna happen. Again, the obvious, right? So what we have here, I know y'all know this is coming. 
Again, illustrating the obvious. So, this freaks people out. Especially last night, that wasn't all the way down. It was like that and I went up it and they were dying on me. All right, all right, but it's down, okay? You got it, all right, here we go. Now, I've been on ladders before, so not to, pride goes before fall though, right? All right, so here we go. All right, one more. Okay, now, just for sake, okay? Just for the illustration's sake. Therefore, the latter makes it possible when before it was impossible. You see, when you look at the scriptures, you just don't, you just don't say, you know, oh, what does that even mean? Angels going on down the ladder. No, there's a point if you want to know. And it has been an amazing thing to me through the years. Uh, because I have spoken now for lots and lots of years. And it still amazes me to look out. And some are like, wow, and they see it. And, and, it, and it changes their life. And then you look out and there's some that are bored out of their minds. And you begin to wonder, I guess that person just doesn't want to know. Right? I guess they just don't want to know. But that's the gospel. You see, guys, it's, it's a responsibility to share. And then the rest is your decision of what you're going to put your faith and trust to. So we have the reach of the ladder. We have the reliability of the ladder, right? Let's take a look at what it did, right? Verse 13, it says, behold, the Lord stood above it. Okay, and this is what happened. Therefore, the Lord was up where the ladder went to, right? And he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. So God made promises Okay, God made promises to Abraham, which passed on to Isaac, now they're passing on to Jacob and reaffirmed that the land on which there he is, that's, that's going to be theirs, okay? Have you ever wondered why they call it the promised land? Because it was a land that was promised, okay? Again, I love the obvious. But you know, we can get to think, it's like land of lakes. I, I remember saying that to a bunch of kids one time. I said, I mean, it's the land of a lot of lakes. And they go, oh, that is what that means. You don't think about it when all you've ever known it is land of lakes, right? Promised land is just a land that's promised. God promised Abraham, which went to Isaac, and, he, and, and God makes a promise here to Jacob, right? But also the resources of the ladder. You have, you have angels going up and down, and angels are ministering services. Guys, there's just not a lot more time that I can go into all of these things and share with you every little thing, because my purpose today is pictures of Christ in the Old Testament, but the resources of the ladder and what, what it provides for you, it's more than cinnamon does crutch, right? It's, it's the picture, right? Of provisions that are yours because of the promises that are made to you. It's pretty neat, right? So the resources, the resources that come from the ladder, right? So you have the, you have the reach, you have the reliability, and you have the, uh, the resources of it. So let me share with you one other quick thing and then I'm, I'm about to be done. But I want you to see that there are four ways, got to go through these quickly, that this ladder represents Christ. In fact, Jesus himself said it represented him. There are four ways. Number one is that the ladder brings God's promises. Therefore, it's the reach, okay? It brings God's promises. So not just in, in Jacob's life, it was going to bring, bring the God's promises, obviously of them as a nation and the land on which he is and those, you know, that look at the skies, you remember to Abraham? And if you can count the number of stars, that'll be your descendants, that kind of stuff, right? But when you think about Christ, when he's saying, that's me, God's promises to you are made possible 
because of who Christ is. Who, Christ, who is Christ? He's the ladder. He's what makes reaching God possible, right? So who he is and what he came to do are represented right here. It's pretty cool if you have the eyes to see and you wanna know, all right? So the ladder brings God's promises. Number two, number two. The ladder brings God's presence. Guys, I'm, it's an amazing thing is that a relationship with God is made possible because of the ladder. And it is what you long for anyway, right? You know, this is interesting. In chapter 28, verse 15, it says, Behold, I'm with you and, and will be with you. He's telling Jacob this. I'll be with you wherever you go, right? And I'll bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you, right? Until I've done all that I have promised. You know, God's presence. I find it interesting that Jacob stumbled into this place and God was there and he didn't even know it. When God's at work, he opens someone's eyes and let them see. That's my prayer. Lord, let them see today, right? Number three, the ladder brings God's protection. That says that, you know, I'm gonna keep you wherever you go, right? And again, the parallels you need to make on your own. Number four is that the ladder brings purpose, God's purpose into your life. Now that's the biggest one. That's the one that I'll take a few minutes for you to understand. The one thing that I have learned that I can talk with any audience about, it doesn't matter if you're a believer today, doesn't matter if you're an unbeliever, doesn't matter if you're an atheist, doesn't matter if you live in another country around the world, there's one thing I can always talk to you about that everyone relates to, and it's the idea of purpose. And that everyone, everyone knows there's got to be a point. Therefore, purpose, my purpose. What is the point for me existing? Why, why this, why that? And we, we have all these questions. Now, whether you ever get there or not, I don't know. But people are on a constant quest to fulfill some sort of a purpose or a want, all right? You know, is my purpose to, is, is to, is my purpose to be happy? Is my purpose family? Is my purpose having lots of friends? Is my purpose success? Is my purpose having a lot of stuff? Is my purpose, what is it? And you find out why is it that this life can feel so hollow no matter what you accomplish. Everybody in the world, wherever I've been, all over the world, relates to that statement. What's the point? What's the point? And how is it that sometimes the most successful people are the most empty people? How come is it, when I used to do chapels for the NFL, how come is it these athletes who are the most elite of all the athletes, you'd think they'd be the happiest, even when they win, and yet there's always a huge emptiness that follows it. Oh yeah, it's cool at the beginning, but why is it that it drains off? Because you were created for more than this world can offer you. You were. And I've found this to be the biggest change in my life. You see, when I became a believer, I didn't become a believer until I was 21. Biggest change in my life was all of a sudden purpose sprung alive inside of me. I had a reason for existing. I had a reason for being who I was. Why? Because you see, God created every one of you, right? To have a relationship with him. You were created with that. And the latter restores that, right? And I'm telling you, when, when that happens, for me, that was probably the single biggest change in my life, point and purpose. I remember in school, I, I hated, I, this sounds terrible because we have educators in the room, but I hated school. And for me, it was not, it didn't fit into the plan of what I thought I wanted to do. But do you know, after I became a believer, uh, and all of a sudden saw purpose, I, I actually became a pretty good student. Isn't that weird? And, and it's just something about it when it sprung to life, right? Purpose. So the ladder brings purpose. So pretty neat when you look at the ladder. Number four, and finally, is, is his salvation. Jacob's life changes, 
Jacob had known, he knows a lot about God because how can you live with Abraham and Isaac and not know a lot about God, right? And he knows even some of God's word, right? But he's not a believer, he's clueless. He stumbles into this place, God's presence is there and he doesn't even know it, right? He's unaware. But God lets him see. Guys, I don't know how that happens or why it happens or when it happens. I don't get it. But, but when he opens by his eyes, when they go, oh my goodness, that is it. It can be a little overwhelming, right? When it happens to you. Number one, he became conscious of God. That's the first thing happened to Jacob in this place. And it says, then Jacob awoke from the sleep. And he was like, boy, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. I was clueless. Clueless, absolutely clueless. It was right in front of me and I was clueless. That means his eyes were open. It's an incredible picture. But guys, I, I understand it. I grew up in church. I was in my church all my life and never got any of it. Yeah, I understood it, all right. And he was afraid. He said, how awesome is this place, okay? This is none other than the house of God. He calls it the house of God, the gate of heaven. You could see the gate, ladder, stairway, whatever you wanna call it, it's the picture. Jesus, why does Jesus sometimes say that I am the door? Well, it makes sense, entrance into another place. You can't get through there except by the door. I mean, Christ had all these analogies, but the, this one, which its derivative is used many times, the bridge illustration, right? You have the two cliffs, you know, we've all, if we've ever shared our faith, we've used the bridge, but the bridge illustration is the same thing, right? They're all pictures of the same thing. But I want you to know he became conscious, conscious of God. God let him see. And number two, he was changed. I mean, it changed him. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he was laying his head on as a pillow. And he set it up on a pillar and he poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. Okay, quick, quick lesson here, Bethel. The word Bethel, the word Beth, B-E-T-H, really it's pronounced Hebrew, Bet, all right, Bet. And, um, and it's the word house. Like when you hear the word Bethlehem, all right? The word Beth is, is house and Lehem is bread. So all Bethlehem means is the house of bread. Isn't that exciting? But Bethel, Beth means house, El means God. It's a generic name for God. Like if your name is Rachel or Ezekiel, right? Or Samuel. The E-L ending is God, and then whatever the first part of your name means. But in this particular case, it just means house of God, right? He named it. It's the place I met God. Now, here's the cool part. Look at the next place. You know what the name was? You know what the name of the place was before? Luz. It's not a dish soap. Right? Luz. You know what the name Luz means? Separation. Right? This is a place where I went from being separated from God to being His. You hear what He's saying? This place. This place. And this place always held a special place for Him. In fact, He renamed it later to El Bethel, not just the house of God, but the God of the house of God. Pretty interesting. But, guys, for those of us who life and we're not talking about being religious here, okay? We're talking about because if God makes a difference, there is a difference made. And, and for me, I remember it. My Bethel. Do you have a Bethel experience? Therefore, a place where I became conscious, okay, that not only there was a God, but that he was personal, right? You know, and after that, have you ever understood? And it's amazing, anyway. But... I, for me, I was there just this past week. Um, there's a, on Interstate 40, believe it or not, um, just between Memphis and Nashville, uh, just past Brownsville, Tennessee. I remember being in the car, um, 
And I, I didn't know what to say, but I just said, Lord, I don't care if I live 20 more minutes or 20 more years. Why did I say that? I think the reason I said that I knew the way I was living at that time, I wasn't gonna live that long. So I said, Lord, if I live 20 more minutes or 20 more years, they're yours. But I was never the same, right? It was a place of change for me. And every time I passed that spot on the interstate, I think about it. When I was 21 years old, right? And God allowed me to see some things. I'd been in a service before that. It was a Sunday night, late Sunday night. And it was a Bethel experience for me, right? So when you, when you put these parallels together, it is remarkable, right? And we'll, we'll keep doing this for a couple more weeks because I want you to see it. And the greatest thing is, is that last week, so many of you, right? So many of you, um, so many of you put your faith and trust in Christ. So last week is a Bethel experience for you. Let me just remind you and, and to share with you to make sure. Um, we've got some neat things coming up, but, um, but remember one step of faith always leads to a lot more. It's just the first one. And so, um, so we have some neat things coming up. One in particular is, is we have a class for you to be a part of and make sure that you go. I have found that I'm not gonna let anything keep me. Those who truly see it eventually don't ever let anything keep them from, from being and following who God is, right? So, so don't let anything keep you from those things. Uh, also today, <clears throat> if you're not a believer, I've got to be done because I'm already past my time. But um, if you're not sure if you're a believer today, you see guys, that's why I say every week, it's not a Baptist message or Catholic or Methodist. This is God's message. It's all over the Bible, right? It has nothing to do with denominations. It has to do with his message to you. So, so the great question for you is, uh, is there a time in your life that you put your faith and trust in him? For, for, for Jacob, it was Bethel. For me, it was I-40. <laughs> with a prayer that just said, Lord, I didn't, well, I didn't have anybody with me. Lord, 20 more minutes or 20 more years, they're yours. And whatever that is for you, guys, part of the reason we exist, a big part of the reason we exist is just to share people with that message, right? And if God opens your eyes and lets you see it, it's your choice to put your faith and trust in it or not. It's an amazing thing. So last week we did some different things. We're not gonna do those this week because I'm way out of time. I want you to understand this. We're gonna have, I've already arranged for some folks up here. They're gonna be up here every week, right? And, um, and as soon as the service is over, I'm gonna have a word of prayer. And uh, there'll be some folks down here afterwards that'd love to talk to you about it and pray with you. And I found that you will not leave if you want to know, right? right. You will not leave if you want to know. I encourage you to come uh, today. A lot of people did last week. And so give you that opportunity. It'll only take a few minutes. But, um, but there's a lot of, lot of things that can, be, that can happen in those, all right? All right, God bless you. God bless you. It's good to see you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming today.